Last week we talked, if you remember, we talked about the fall. We talked about how our sins separate us from the Creator. And we see that Adam and Eve, when they sinned and they were disobedient, they went and hid from the Father, who they did have relationship with, and they tried to clothe themselves in fig leaves. And see, I talked about how sin defines us. Do you remember me saying that? That I said sin defines us. And I know that as we as a good um, Sunday school Christians, and I'm picking on all of us there, is that we're like, wait, 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 sin does not define me. And the truth is, it does define you. You see this? This is going to represent sin this morning. Okay, when you look at me, you're looking at the bling, right? This is cool, right? Not really. This defines me. This will define me for the next couple minutes or however long. It will define me, and your attention is going to be on this, guarantee. Sin does affect us. Sin puts a mark on our lives, and whether we can see it on the outside, it affects the inside. You see, and, and I wonder, and sometimes I scratch my head, Lord, am I only a one-trick pony? And all I talk about is sin, and, and I preach about sin a lot. And I'm like, Lord, come on, broaden my, scro- my scope, and He does. But for some reason, I just can't get past it. And I want to call it out within our body, is that sin does affect us. And remember, I used some Scripture, and it's the Word, That through the first Adam, we're all cursed. We're all condemned under sin. But through the second Adam, the representative of Christ Jesus, so through one act, all were condemned. So no matter what we say, no matter what we think or believe within our own lives or mind, is that the first Adam caused the world to be fallen. And the Word says that all are condemned. Because of that one act of disobedience. But then I talked about last week, well, there was going to be an act of obedience that God was going to declare all righteous. And not only was that one act of obedience, this is getting uncomfortable, the only through the one act of obedience we would be made righteous, but He also, He died on the cross, but He also rose again. You see, and so as we have these bondages on us, I want you to go to John chapter 8. And I wasn't going to have points this morning, but I do have points. True freedom is the first one. The second is, it goes through my mind, Dory um, in Nemo, you know, keep on swimming. And I just say, keep on sinning, keep on sinning. So I hope that sticks in your head this morning. If you've ever watched the movie Nemo. That's my second point. And the third is staying in freedom. So what happens is I just feel like I didn't do a very good job last week. And so I want to follow up on a certain point. So as we had the whiteboard here, we put down all our sins and how that sin defines us and that Satan has a hold on our lives when we give in to sin. Period. Once sin is conceived, it leads to death. Period. The one thing I don't feel like I did very well was talking about the freedom that we can have in Christ Jesus. And this is the thing that we hang our hats on as believers. 
You see, my main hope for you, and the only reason I do ministry, period, is that I can see lives come from destruction, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But not only that, there's something even more marvelous that takes place, is a life that's been transformed through a relationship with Christ Jesus. Where that old person is no longer the one in control, but the new man or woman is new in Christ Jesus. We put on the clothes of Jesus Christ, which is what I talked about from Galatians chapter 3, verse 20. But let's see what Jesus says about true freedom. And I'll just read a few, and I won't get into all the Scripture this morning of the context. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you continue in My Word, you, are real, you really are My disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But they said this, We are descendants of Abraham. They answered him. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say we will become free? Isn't it interesting that they forgot Egypt? As if they had never been enslaved to anything. And yet they didn't even see their own blindness. That they were enslaving others and they were enslaved their own selves by religion and different things. And they questioned Jesus. How can you say the truth will set us free? When we've never been slaves to anything. And Jesus responds to them. Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. That's it. We can't argue, right? So what is defining us? As Jesus said Himself, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Just like I cannot take these chains off by myself. And a slave does not, well, I will, but you know what I mean. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. So I want to talk about Jesus for a moment. We are Jesus centered and people focused church. You see, only Jesus can take away these shackles of sin. Only He has the power to break the curse of sin and death over our lives. So last week I talked about sin defining us. Let's talk about Christ defining us today. Christ defines the believer's life. No matter what the enemy says to you today, that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are righteous, you are holy, and you are blameless. So what happens when I trusted in Christ Jesus, these chains which only He can take away have been dropped to the ground and they no longer hold power over me. We're not done with the chains this morning. I'll just go to Isaiah 61 because I can't help myself that to think of Jesus and His power. And it says this, verses 1-3, through The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has, hit, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. 
To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning. And splendid clothes instead of despair. And then they will be called righteous trees. Planted by the Lord to glorify Him. And so I want to just talk to you a moment. About why Christ Jesus came. He came, first of all, to glorify the Father and do whatever the Father had told Him to do. And He did it perfectly. By His act of obedience, He died for a sinful world. He became sin for us. And He actually nailed our sins on the cross, taking our sin and our shame upon Himself. We all know this. But are you bored of it? Does this truth bore you? If this truth bores you, I ask that you would become alive today in Jesus' name. Because see, although we walk around, it's sad that we walk around, I do it as a believer with my shoulders shrunk and I'm defeated all the time. That is not what Christ has done for us. And I don't walk around defeated all the time. But there are times that I do and I'm not walking in the freedom that He's called me to walk in. You see, Jesus holds all power. We know that. And He was sent to heal the brokenhearted. The church's mission should be to heal the brokenhearted. But oftentimes I find myself, and I'm sure you find yourself, as being known for what I'm against and not for what I'm for. What am I for? The transforming power of Jesus Christ into a life that is ridden in sin and bondage and chains. You see, I hold the truth, you and I hold the truth that can set people free from their shackles. Now, if they desire to let it go, that is up to them. That is not your job. Your job is to proclaim the truth. Your job is to say for those who are wrapped in their chains, you can be free from your chains. And God wants to take those ashes and make beauty out of it. He, want to take, he wants to take your mourning and He wants to put oil of gladness on you. He wants to set the captive free. He wants to set the prisoner free. You see, sin brings us to bondage. And I made that point very clear, and it defines us. But God wants to do something different in our lives. He wants to give us clothes of righteousness instead of despair. And He wants to call us oaks of righteousness. He wants to call you and I oaks of righteousness that when we are in a land, when, wherever we are at, is He wants us to be oaks of righteousness to where our roots go deep. And once something is established, like an oak, it's not going anywhere. 
And it says in the Scriptures, those who trust in the Lord will be like a, a tree that is planted by the waters where roots will always find water, will always bear fruit in due seasons. The leaves will never wither. That's what oaks of righteousness are. If you are in Christ Jesus, that is who you are today. And so, but so often... So we talked about this last week, and I'm going to ask you to come to the cross in a little bit. But what we do, we, we find the cross, we, we bring our sins, and we say, oh man, thank you Jesus for dropping these. And then we just say, hey, I want to pick. There's something good about habits. There's something good about the past. And then we begin to take, take the chains up again, and they become another vice for us, although we have been set free from our chains. I don't know how many times I'm going to do that, but it sounds pretty fun. We're set free. Christ says, those who I set free are free indeed. I want to share a story with you straight from the Gospels of Luke. No, actually John, sorry. Same chapter, chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. There was a woman caught in the act of adultery. From history and commentary, it says her breasts were probably exposed. She was brought to the city center. And they wanted to catch Jesus in the act. And they wanted to accuse Him. And it was His practice to go to the synagogue. And as He was teaching in the synagogue, they brought this lady to Him and said, "Um, Jesus, the law says... That this lady who is caught in the act of adultery deserves to be stoned. And they all had stones in their hand, I'm sure of it. She was exposed. She deserved to be stoned. Jesus, in His wisdom and in His kindness, He gets down on the ground and He begins to write out different things. We don't know what He wrote out. And they say, they keep bothering him. They say, come on. You got a stone. You got to say, we can stone this woman. And you know what he did? He said, you who have not sinned, who has no sin, who has never sinned, you cast the first stone. And this is cool. From the oldest to the youngest, they began to put down their rocks. You know what it tells me about old people? They're a lot wiser than the young. They've lived life long enough to know that life is not perfect and that you are going to make mistakes and they could not do anything because they were condemned of what Christ said. And you know what Jesus did as He was stooping? Everybody left. And we all know this story. Everybody left. And He says, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are those that have condemned you? And she said, they're all gone. And Jesus has the audacity to say, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. She deserved condemnation. You and I both deserve these chains to be hung around our necks and be stayed forever. But Christ has set us free. But what happens is so often we walk in freedom and then we're so tempted To pick them up. But Jesus does say go and sin no more. 
Because, see, Christ has set you free. Don't pick up these chains any longer. And number two point is keep on sinning. Keep on sinning, keep on sinning. I had a question given to me, and so I want to use this as a teaching moment. And so if you like me on Facebook or friend me on Facebook, you can ask me any question you want, but let it be private because there's enough junk out there on Facebook. But it says this question to me. So what if you keep sinning? And you keep asking God to forgive you. Will He keep forgiving you? Even though you keep doing it. That is a great question. Have you ever wondered about that question? You see, when I first came to faith, I was a needle junkie. I was messed up doing whatever I wanted, hurt young man. And when I came to Christ, I truly, in 1996, at Easter Sunday, I was set free. And I've shared this a lot, and I'll continue to share it. I was set free. Everything became new. And for that moment in time, these chains came off and they were dropped down. But what happened a week later? I picked these chains back up and I kept on sinning. But you know what happened? Jesus had won my heart on that day in 1996. And I was not set free totally. Some of you are going to be set free just like that. And praise God for you. Others, you're going to be so tempted to pick this chain up again and again and again, just like I was. But there was one day in my life that Jesus came to me and said, you got to stop. This is destruction. And for some reason in my mind, I got it that I could smoke pot and love Jesus. I was convinced because there was a rap group that said, House of Pain, don't go and listen to them. said, every uh, fruit-bearing tree can be used. And so my cousin said, that's marijuana, brother. (laughs) So I continued to do what I was doing. And I remember getting high, picking up my chains again. And the Lord said, you can't do this, son. You've got to stop. So, slowly but surely, that habit began to wane. And you see, we get into habits. And why am I sharing that? Because my habits were keeping me far from the Lord. My habits were entrenched in my life. These chains were who I was. Smoking pot, doing drugs, drinking, all those things. That was my identity for so long. And so I would take them up and then I'd ask for forgiveness. I'd buy a pack of cigarettes and, you know, I I, I just... And I'd spend pennies because I was a poor, irresponsible sinner... And I say that in in kindness because I was messed up. I would buy a pack of cigarettes, spend my, they were only $2 then. Um, And I would buy it with my last money and then I'd smoke one cigarette and throw out the whole pack. 
Then I would do it over and over where, man, it was just like, come on. I couldn't get free from the addictions and the habits. And I would be like anybody else, which we don't do this anymore, but I would long for the altar to be opened every Sunday so that I could come and just seek God. We're not seeking God anymore for our sins. Okay, and see, I can get off on sin, but we're talking about the forgiveness. And so there I go to the altar again, and I'm free. God had loving kindness and compassion on my life. So I will say this. This is, we're getting into the opinion area. There's some things you experience in life that teach you. Is that God was very merciful to a very immature young man. I believe that I was bound and I did some bad things. And when I kept doing them, even after I was saved, I would run to the cross and seek the forgiveness of the Father. I didn't feel right. My conscience was bothering. My heart was stuck. But I knew that if I went to the cross, that He would forgive me every time. And here I am today. Because God did not give up on his young, new son. God did not give up on his babe in Christ. And so my answer to that question is, it is a question that we have to hold with tension. We have to be patient for those who are new in Christ. But, let me give you some warning real quick. So there's the tension of maturing in Christ and being immature believers. And God never intends for any of us to stay in immaturity. He never intends for any of us to take up these chains again. And if Christ is all-powerful like the Scripture says He is, we have to drop these chains. But I will tell you, there's a choice. And if you feel like you don't have the choice, I would tell you to seek counseling. And we ended the word last week with what Brother Dave said, one of our elders said, that the more you seek Jesus, and I don't want to mess up your word, is that those sin, that sin that we struggle with will become less and less. And I know that was a word of encouragement from the Lord. And Dave was walking in the prophetic. And some of you know exactly what he was talking about. John 5, it talks about a man that was sitting by the pool for 36 years, 32, 36 years. He couldn't get into the pool, but if you got into the pool of Siloam, you would be healed, which is pretty cool. Jesus saw this man as he was walking by, and you can look for it yourself in John 5, or, um, yes, John 5. And he said, hey, hey, why aren't you healed? And the guy's saying, well, nobody's there to carry me into the pool. And Jesus just all of a sudden says, get up and walk. He gets up and walks. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. And the Pharisees, the religious people, have such a hard time because he picked up his mat and started walking on the Sabbath. And they question the guy, and he says, I don't know who healed me. And then you know what happens later? Jesus goes and finds this man. And he says, do you know who I am? 
The guy had no clue who Jesus was. And, you know, I want to say this to you, that I have, when I have the chains wrapped around my neck, that I didn't know who Christ was when he came to me. But he began to introduce himself to me. And he's still introducing himself to me. And it makes it where I can become freer and freer when I see him. Let me fix, I'll drop those chains for a moment. But Jesus had the audacity, audacity to say this to the man at the end. And this, none of us would want to say this. He says, I see that you are well. Do not sin anymore. So that something worse doesn't happen to you. So this is the one instant we see that Christ has freed a man because right here it says it in Scripture that the man was bound by sin and he was bound because of sin. And that's not everybody that is sick is because of sin. But in this instant it was. And Jesus said, go and sin no more. If you do continue sinning, there is something worse that is going to happen to your life. What's worse than that? What is worse? It's eternal separation from the Father. You see, because although He has set us free, we continue to pick up our chains, continue in the same sin, our simple desires and habits. We've got to be careful. And I am not the judge. And Proverbs 26, 11 says this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so also a fool repeats the foolishness. How many of you guys have dogs? How many of you seen them throw up? What do they do? Excuse me just for a moment. They won't go back to their poop. They won't go back to their pee. I've watched my dog do this. I'm like, come on. What's poop, puke? I mean, come on, dog. She knows not to go back to her poop. But when she sees that vomit, she goes right back to it and eats it up. It makes it a lot easier to clean. Just saying. My wife doesn't like me to say that. But that's what happens. It's a dog returns to his vomit. And I know this is cruel saying, but Jesus has set us free. But we always want to go back to the sin. And 2 Peter verse 2 says the same thing. And I won't... I don't want to pull Scripture out of context, but it's talking about false teachers. But I think it can also relate to the heart that has been set free. As they go back to their sinful ways when they have been freed from the sin. And he says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so as those who have been set free turn back to their old ways. Or he says, as a pig that has been washed and clean, goes back to the pig trough. But listen, folks. God has set us free. And those who are free are free indeed. I want you to be careful. As a pastor of Cornerstone Church, I have to warn you. And yet, with great joy and great pride, and boasting in the Lord Jesus Christ that He has the power to set you free. And He wants to transform your life. Don't pick up the sin. And there's also some other scriptures that I can talk about that just, like I said, I'm trying to keep my promise. 
about evil spirits leaving a place and then coming back and finding the house clean and bringing back seven more spirits with it. Let me give you a secret here. After you've came to Christ, you know, as religion, we would say, I want to clean, out the, I want to clean up the outside. That's what I was taught. Wear a tie, uh, iron your shirt, which I appreciate that teaching because now I iron my shirts. Not that you have to. But it was all about outside when the inside is really what needs to be helped. And you see, there's a secret for us as believers that when we come to Christ, He fills us with His Holy Spirit. And that way that when something comes and the evil one wants to come and accuse us and call us names and say different things is that when the Holy Spirit is there, He fends off all the attacks of the enemy. So if you are young and immature in your faith, I want to counsel you this morning to let go of the chains and to seek Jesus. And then in the last step is stay in freedom. How do we stay in freedom? And so I will not take up those chains any longer. If the worship team could come this morning. We joke, but that's a good sign that the minister's really wrapping it up. If you go to Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 with me. It says, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses, large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. You see, these chains, God is asking us this morning to let go of these chains so that we can truly run the race. What is your chain this morning? Is it an addiction? Is it a habit that you just can't quit doing? Is it anger, lust, sexual morality, porn, all these sins that I talked about last week? Christ wants to bid you to come this morning and be free. How do we do this? We keep our eyes on Jesus. How do you grow in your faith? You keep your eyes on Jesus. You see, we don't look to man. We don't look to other things. We look to Jesus, right? You want to be truly free this morning? I encourage you to look to Jesus. And if you're struggling with a sin or an addiction this morning, I'd encourage you to cry out and beg to Jesus to help you. I have no other answer for you. And if that disappoints you, take it up with my Father. Jesus is powerful. If He's transformed my life, He can transform your life. And then it goes on to say that Jesus, He's the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before Him, He endured the cross despising the shame, and He sat down at the right hand of 
the throne of God. And I remember when God first brought the scripture to me, I went to my brother with so much joy and I said, can you believe that Jesus had joy when he hung on the cross? Can you believe it? And he looks at me and says, are you crazy? I said, yeah, I'm crazy. Because he paid a price and he was joyful because he knew that he would transform the nations. He knew that people that were in bondage would be free forever. And he endured the cross because of you and me. So here's what I want to say to you this morning before we pray. What defines you today? What defines you? You see, and here's the deal is I can't see your hearts and you're thanking God that I can't see your hearts and I can't see what's going on in your mind, but you know exactly what defines you. And I want to ask you this morning, is it Christ that defines you or is it your sin that is defining you? Only you know. And so what I want to ask you this morning is, can you say with me that I am redeemed? You don't have to say it. But can you say it with me in your heart? I am holy. I am righteous. I am justified. I am truly loved. I am accepted. I am forgiven. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. I have been given a new name. This is who I am. And you see, some of you have gotten really mistaken. Your identity is mistaken this morning. And if that is you, I want to call you to the cross this morning. I want to call you to freedom. And you see, I want to tell you this. Jesus said he would leave the 99 to reach the one, right? But I also want you to know that he cares about the 99. You're not left out. But this morning is for the wayward one. So what I'd like you to do with me before we take communion, I'd like you to bow your heads. No, please shut your eyes. I know not everybody does that. Before this moment, I want to ask you to shut your eyes and bow your head for the sake of those that are around you. And I want this to be a very serious moment. And let's just be honest with one another. Let's just sit for a moment and let's ask Jesus where we are at. Have you picked up the chains? So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here this morning. You're already welcomed. You're already here. I just want to ask you, Lord, that you would do a work in our lives, Lord. If there's any sin that is entangling us, Lord, from running this race that you have destined for us. If there's any sin that is entangling us, Lord, to to block the saying, I am loved, I am redeemed, I am forgiven. Any lies or any habits, Lord, that we just can't break through, I pray this morning in Your powerful name, Jesus, that You would break the chains. 
And I also pray for my brother and sister this morning that they know who they are. But they need you to take the chains that are, the heaviness that they are dealing with. I pray that you do the same for them this morning. So as our heads are bowed, and I want to ask you this morning, I'm not asking you to confess your sin in the open, but I want us to have a, a moment of confession. And the Bible says if you confess your sin to one another, you will find forgiveness. I'm not asking for that this morning, but I am asking you that if you are struggling with a sin and you need to be set free, I'd like to ask you to raise your hand this morning. Okay, you can put down your hands. Please keep your eyes closed. You that raised your hand the first time, that's the first time. Just hold on, because we're going to pray together. But I want to ask an honest question of you as, as the pastor here. And honestly, I care so much about you that I'm not willing just to stop and and worry about who will respond and who won't. I don't care. But I care for your sake that you would be free. And are you willing to fight? Are you willing to wrestle with Jesus over your sin and over your habit? Are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I, I confess and I know that you forgive me, but Lord, I keep sinning and Lord, it just drives me further and further from you. Are you willing to touch the garments of Jesus this morning? And I want to ask you if that's you, that you would raise your hand. So what I want to do with those who have raised your hand, and if you haven't and you feel like you should have, that's fine. But I just want to pray. And Would you agree with me, church? And I would like to ask those who are interceders, Lord, those that seek the face of God on behalf of others, and that's just your gift, I would ask you to now pray. Because see, what happens is that as a community and in a body, this is what it's all about. If our brothers and sisters are struggling in some areas that we would bind together, that we would wrestle with God, that we would ask Him to set people free. And so as we pray this morning, let's just look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So Lord Jesus, this morning, you know the hands that have been raised. You know exactly what they're struggling with. And Jesus, I thank you that when you gave yourself on the cross, that you set them free. Lord, in every hand that rose, I know they love you. And I know that they want to please you. And God, I'm asking with them and for them as a body this morning that you would set them free. 
As Lord, we are, we are going to celebrate Independence Day on the 4th. Lord, true independence is those who have been set free from their bondage. It's been set free from their prison. God, I just pray that you would do a miracle this morning in their hearts. And Lord, I believe according to your word that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I also know that you are the chain breaker. And you break every chain. Thank you for your mercy today. Thank you for your grace. If you can open your eyes and look back up here. I want to encourage you this morning. When I was struggling with my sin and my habits, I just kept seeking Jesus. I didn't stop. And I've seen it time and time again. People will give their hearts to Jesus and then the next day they'll fall right back in the sin. And then they just go off and they feel condemned. But that is not who our God is. So what I would ask you is a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up every time. So I'm going to encourage you to get back up and drink. I still believe that God has some water that He wants some of you to drink. And that water is refreshing. That water will give you life.